I saw a trailer for a movie. I don't remember what it was. It was some like teeny movie, and uh, with like River, like Bobo Riverdale cast, whoever was in it. Um, and the trailer was uh, not only was it all vertical on Twitter, but it was like the entire movie was happening. <laughs> and I was watching this trailer, and I was like, "Did they make this movie for like right. Instagram?" Well, but it's like how like Quibi used to be like right. Was prompt. this originally a Quibi? Mm-hmm. Is the question? I don't know. Maybe it was some like uh, it's like Thomas Mann, <laughs> um, Madeline Pet. I don't know how you pronounce her name, and then sure. I don't remember who the love interest was, but it's like a two people start a date on New Year's Eve where one of them just got broken up with and one of them is going to propose to their girlfriend. Um, and by the end, and they're in love. I mean, I, I, I did stop watching the trailer because they were spoiling it for me. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. But then, uh, yeah, the, the another similar bone to pick about Twitter trailers is the damn Pinocchio trailer. Robert Zemeckis came out today as we're recording this. Yeah. And I tried to watch it on Twitter, and the quality was so bad. I was like, ugh. Uh, mine did weirdly, like, degrade into, like, 360p or whatever. Yeah. Like, and then I went to YouTube to watch it, and it was another channel. So I couldn't do anything. I was just at a loss. <laughs> That's too bad. Uh, yeah. I mean, yeah. I, I powered through and watched the shitty version just so i could like <laughs> hear the joseph gordon levitt jiminy cricket voice um sounds bad kind of he's doing a thing certainly he's like yeah. you know he's he's not doing it halfway as you would expect from uh, okay, so i have not gordon watched the trailer so i'm gonna do what i think he's doing is he doing like sure hey yo i'm jiminy Cricket. No, no. not all not at all <laughs> is he like i'm jiminy cricket over here that's nope. a little closer, I guess, but it is still not what he is doing. Yeah, I guess he does wear a top hat, so you feigning tipping one did track. <laughs> the voice true. was still nothing. <laughs> a conscience. I think with that. Yeah. <laughs> Welcome to Can I Kick uh-huh. It? Yeah. Uh, this is a podcast about film festivals. My name is Jesse Catherine Weber, and I'm joined by... Andy Gramuga. Colin Ashley. Emilio Diaz. But yeah, we've got almost, but not, a grab bag for our listeners. No, we will never ever do a grab bag again, so it's not a grab bag. It's not, but it's kind of like that in that we've got a lot of things that we're going to talk about. I do have a box right here. I have a box. No. 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 We're not doing a grab box. You we already want to... determined the order in which you want to do a drop box happen. of of uh, of of, uh, of of items. No, <laughs> unless okay. the, unless Dropbox sends the check. Yeah, we'll do SpawnCon for Dropbox. But... Absolutely. Uh, we'll, switch from, we'll switch from uh, from uh, from. Uh, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. Uh-huh. Right That's price. such a Andy. You can't reveal who we use now. You have to like... Sorry, leave that out, Cullen. <laughs> okay. Uh, 
Uh, but yeah, we're gonna start with, uh, just a little bit of general news. There's the two film festivals that keep announcing things, and right. they announced We're almost at the end more. of August, so we're almost at, like, yeah. ground zero for film festivals. Yeah, Venice is gonna happen. Yeah. Right. Uh, before we... before you hear the next episode, yeah. Venice will start happening. Oh, that's true. Uh, will we have any coverage of Venice? Uh, we might be too busy. Yeah, uh, we'll probably we'll, like we'll do like a backfill like wrap yeah, up I'm at sure some point. There might be a an episode that's thrown up onto the feed that's just us talking into one of our phones about whatever uh, won the golden. Right. Lion. If something crazy wins the golden lion, you might get some live in on the ground yeah. reaction from Toronto. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Uh, but yeah, uh, we've got New York and Toronto continuing. To yeah. announce things, uh, New York. Telluride continuing to not announce things. And yeah, their wants. They don't do it. Uh, yeah, from New York, we've got uh, the revivals, which is the should be the balance of films in their schedule. Uh, there's the talk section is the one section, TBA. Uh, but yeah, I don't know. There's, uh, a lot of interesting stuff here. Uh, I think the mother and the whore is maybe, like, the big thing that's been long unavailable. The 1973 Jean Eustache film, or, you know, if you do see it, it looks like, uh, looks real bad. Uh, they finally figured out the rights to it. It premiered at Cannes. Uh, everyone's excited. It's a North American premiere. Uh, they've also got a world premiere of, uh, a restoration of, uh, No Fear, No Die, one of the few Claire Denis films that we've talked about not at all. Uh, there's a lot of, there's a lot of Portuguese films. There's, um, Blood, which is, uh, a Pedro Costa film that I've actually seen that I like. Um, is a Manuel de Oliveira. Uh, Dry Long So by Colleen Smith. That's another one that, uh, a 1998, uh, feature. I think she'd made several shorts before then that are somewhat notable. Uh, that one is, like, fully, like, the Criterion Collection that was involved in the restoration, so I assume that'll be on Criterion. I think Janice also has The Mother and the Whore. Uh, so that'll probably also be Criterion. That's kind of the, this is where you might end up seeing these things if you don't have a, a local revival house. Uh, Edward Yang was a Confucian Confusion also. That's exciting. Yeah, I think there's, I think the, uh, Taiwan Film and Audiovisual Institute did several yang restorations and this is the first one to surface in the united states yeah they got a mahjong one coming soon i know yeah yeah because a lot of these middle yangs i know have been hard to find in any sort of decent quality i i have Mm -hmm. somebody i have had a person send me a version of confusion confusion that looked like a vhs oh yeah i saw like a side by side of like this is what it would look like if you tried to watch it now and this is next to the one still that uh is out and it's like wow it's uh it's i mean it's different. like when uh 
when Brighter Summer Day was restored by Janice, you could see it was like a similar thing where there was only like VHS rips mm-hmm. with um, like uh, hard burned in s- subtitles on top yeah. of each other. It was like really brutal before they fix it. So it's, it's always exciting yeah. to see something like that be fully restored yeah. rather than just like a 4k upgrade right and i think i think no fear no die is in a similar situation i don't think that's got any kind of home video release since vhs either they had they had it on criterion channel last year as part of a denis uh series and it looked like it looked decent Uh as as i recall it was like good quality it it wasn't like noticeably bad at all okay yeah i mean it probably looked as good as like whatever version of Bo Travai existed out there before they also sure i think it, i mean i think it looked better than that yeah, it probably Bo looked about as good as like bad, friday night did memory. uh-huh like a dvd copy yeah, probably would be my sure. guess um uh yeah but yeah it's uh you know i think it's uh a very exciting group of movies i don't know uh it's always hard to make time for uh revivals at a festival uh I think that, like, The Mother and the Whore is, like, even more so than anything they had last year, like, enough of an event, or, like, I imagine people will, like, make time for that. Uh, but yeah, it's a good-looking section. Yeah. Uh, and then TIFF, uh, they did, they announced their schedule, which we'll talk about towards the end of the episode, but they did also announce, uh, a few live events uh in the process of doing that uh they're of course bringing back the uh jason reitman live read uh they, they've not said the movie but it's something yeah. that's a tribute to his father so i believe with those they usually don't reveal until they start i think like, so i think yeah, yeah i believe that it was the case with the the one like four or five years ago yeah, yeah they, um, or they did one in 2018 they did one in 2017 also i think yeah they did like um, i feel like breakfast club was the last one breakfast club i think was 2018 i think they did big lebowski in 2017 because uh jennifer lawrence was there for mother Oh, yeah. That sounds right. Right. It I was her and Fassbender. Fassbender and Seth Rogen as right. uh, the Hoffman character, I think. Um, yeah. I think Seth Rogen and was Goodman. Maybe, maybe. Sure. And it is interesting, yeah, that they're doing a live read in tribute to Ivan Reitman, who did not have a ton of writing credits That's in right. His career. I mean, like, the, um, the the tweet, like, referred to it as they're doing an Ivan Reitman screenplay, which is like, what do you mean that doesn't really exist? The press release was just like, it is a move. it is one of Ivan Reitman's movies in tribute to him. Uh, sure. Which so, makes more sense. So, uh, right. If they are doing a, a script of his, he has... Well, he was the right. He has a writing credit on his 1968 short called Orientation, but sure. I would be very shocked if that was what they were yeah, doing. Yeah, that'd be very surprising. And then he's got uh, two story by credits, right? Yes, two story by credits on 1973's Cannibal Girls and 1986's Legal Eagles. So fingers crossed for Legal Eagles. If they three, do Legal I think that would Eagles be really funny. and it leaks out through the grapevine where they're doing Legal Eagles, I'll go to that. Uh, I think it would be really funny if they did Legal Eagles. Yeah, uh, um, I was completely wrong. The Big Lebowski one was at Montreal's Just for Laugh Festival. <laughs> sure. sure. 
Yeah, because I, I was gonna ask. Like, yeah, he does them outside of tips. He, he used to, yeah, yeah, he did them at like LACMA yeah, it used forever. Yeah, be like a then... monthly thing at LACMA. Um, it's where Tarantino like guest did the hateful eight thing. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, and like some of them were the same. Like I think he'd done, um, Big Lebowski before, and that might have been. I want to say, I feel like that was when Seth Rogen did it, maybe. maybe. And I think it was Rain sure. Wilson as Walter Subcheck, which is funny. Um, yeah. Uh, but yeah, so I don't know. I, I assume it's just Ghostbusters. Like, they're not going to do meatballs or stripes. And then they, <laughs> if they, and then it would, like, after that, it's, like, even tougher. I feel right. like. One of the Schwarzeneggers, not, like, yeah, right. Kindergarten Cop or Junior, that'd be really funny. <laughs> Twins, twins Evolution. is like maybe if maybe it is draft like day. day. Draft day would be is like got a they, solid screenplay. Raji Joseph's got no, a credit on that screenplay. They can't do draft day. I mean, there would be riots in the, the visa in the visa screening room at the Princess of Wales or wherever the fuck they're doing it. Uh, but uh, I think um, it'd be really funny. It would be very funny if they did draft day. Yes. Uh, but yeah, and then they also announced the in conversation with which uh, they have Damien Chazelle doing one. I think I heard that they did a similar thing with um, her, where that wasn't going to be in the festival, the but Spike Jones showed up and they like showed a few clips. Right. I wonder. Yeah, I was wondering if they would show clips. Yeah, um, I would imagine it's. It doesn't say anywhere, but I would imagine that that'll happen. And they've yeah. done like other since then. Like, here's a little preview with some clips and the director. Do you think there here. will be a Babylon trailer by then? That that movie in like three weeks supposed to come out. It's supposed it's to be like limited until December. It's not coming out till Christmas, but it's like done and they screened it. So. I don't know. My guess is we'll get a trailer um October. Yeah. He Maybe. could show do they it I mean can't do people, be like, Brothers, show stuff Warner that Brothers talks? only putting out two movies. Yeah, yeah. That's what, uh, that's what we were is it, is yeah. it Paramount, I think? Yeah, it's not Paramount, so like Yeah. The Paramount picture. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, maybe yeah. she she'll show some clips, maybe he talks. Maybe just talks about La La Land. For... That's a People's Choice winner, right? I'm pretty sure. Uh, uh, um, is that true? Maybe. I I don't know. Um. And then yeah, uh, Viola Davis and Gina Prince, Bythewood, uh, Lee Jung Jae and Jung Woon Su, uh, Jung sorry, Jung Woo Sung, uh, who. Uh, uh, are both directors, I believe. Uh, or no, sorry. Uh, Hunt is the uh, the film that's directed by Lee Jung Jae that they are both in. Uh, Lee Jung Jae was in Squid Game. Uh, and then Eddie Redmayne is the final one. Uh, what, uh, what, uh, how exciting that is. Yes. Yeah. Just to it, did win. it did win, yes. Yeah. Okay. Oh, actually, I'm looking. It says Moonlight one. <laughs> <Just kidding. laughs> uh, Moonlight was in platform, which, as I recall, it didn't win. 
Yeah, I mean, it was you to are cut no the Oscars. I, are no <laughs> I am just making a factual clarification. Sure. <laughs> um, and then, yeah, I guess we're going to talk a little more about Locarno. Um, I, as far as, like, a general, like, impression, I, I do think uh, I retweeted uh, both from my Twitter and then uh, from the Can I Kick It Twitter earlier this week uh, pieces from Devika Girish and Jordan Kronk that I think did a good job of, like, illuminating kind of what the festival felt like. And it does sound like the overall consensus is, like, it feels back closer to what Locarno looked like uh, prior to the onset of COVID-19, which is good to hear. Uh, and, like, you know, just, like, from the outside, it did also just look like, oh, yeah, there's a lot of interesting movies here. There were a few more, like, name directors and then also just, like, plenty of things throughout the festival where I was like, oh, yeah, that sounds really interesting. Uh, but there are two of them that some of us have seen. Uh, so, uh, both from the competition. Uh, so I don't know. Maybe we just start with Human Flowers of Flesh, uh, which me and Cullen saw and have talked about a little bit. And I think we both agree that it it's just really good. It looks great. It's hard to say much about it. Yeah. It's hard to, like, I mean, it's obviously a very plot-light right. movie. And, like, yeah. Uh, but, I mean, like you're saying, it is just, like, incredibly gorgeous. And I think yeah. uh, very exciting to see something like this come from, like, a, like a young director and, mm-hmm. like, a sort of small, like, smaller in a way festival where it's, like, a very exciting voice to have, like, yeah. in the circuits and doing everything. Because it is just such, like, a gripping, mm-hmm. uh, or maybe not gripping, but just, I... like, a very, like... Uh, visually uh, enthralling yeah it's like hypnotizing yeah in a way. like yeah. I, I it is very like uh has a great rhythm to it it's like a has a very great like sense of the ocean and like water mm-hmm. uh there are like these very interesting visual tricks that uh weapon where like the entire screen is like blue yeah and it's yeah. sort of um just presenting these images in like a very exciting way um, who is the director there's a Helena Whitman, uh, Helena Whitman. Uh, a um, German director. Uh, the, the film is, I think, a, a lot of it's in French, but I think it's kind of in different languages. Yeah, there's um, a little bit the, of Because it's uh, Angeliki Papulia. Yeah. From, uh, and Denis Levant are the two big names. Sure, and Papulia is the lead of the film yeah. uh, from the Dog Tooth and the Lobster. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Levant shows yeah. up at the very end. Uh, and, like, there, there is, like, generally uh, a kind of ways in which it's sort of playing on Beau Travail, uh, but mm-hmm. then Levant is doing that much more specifically, uh, obviously. Uh, and, yeah, they're just, like, on this boat kind of going around. And, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, that was, my, my takeaway, too, was similarly, like, how... Just, like, how much of a command she has of just, like, how interesting it is to, like, look at water. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, like, similarly, I think, with, like, uh, like non-human forms of life. Like, there's both, like, interesting stuff with 
animals. There's, like, a really cool scene with a snail and also, like, mm-hmm. with plants. There's even, like, a, a couple of little bits with a, through a microscope, I think. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, it just, like, it's very, very cool. I would love to see it again. Yeah. Uh, it's I'd having, love to see it in a theater. Yeah, that'd be great. The, like... The the six it's shot on sixteen millimeter and like yeah. the the grain was like obviously not totally coming through via streaming, mm-hmm. uh you know seeing a print of it especially I'm sure it would be really, uh wonderful. It's having its North American premiere, uh in Currents at New York Film Festival. I am kind of like you could have just put this in the main slate, but I guess there's only so many spots there. Sure. Yeah. Uh, um, but yeah, I mean, it is. And um, just talking about how good it looks. There's a shot that I like. Keep thinking about where a plane's like flying overhead on this very like bright, like sort of pale blue sky, and all these parachutes start falling out of it, and you see them like pop, and it's just like the stark sort of white parachute blue background look very just like gorgeous, and it's just like a great little choice mm-hmm yeah uh but it is like as far as i don't believe it has any kind of u.s distribution yet i haven't you know it's not been announced that it's playing anywhere other than new york so it is very much mm-hmm. like i think it is a movie that people will be talking about a lot whenever it does come out yeah uh so just like look up look out for that and hopefully it does come out soonish uh her first feature which i haven't seen and certainly want to now drift i don't think ever really got any especially robust u.s release i know it was at new directors new films uh and i think it maybe is up on you can rent it on vimeo now uh but yeah i hope i i this feels like uh it's uh very much worthy of uh taking a look at it uh and then the other movie that we've seen is uh matter out of place uh yep by uh nicholas gerhalter an austrian documentarian who i think his like general kind of mo is these like uh observational documentaries about sort of just like uh Uh, like stuff that is like uh not stuff that like people are generally thinking about but that is like important to like daily life like i think he did one that was about uh bread production and it you know it has like a a little bit of a wise mini vibe but just with like a much more general theme like uh wiseman is usually focusing on like a specific institution Right. Uh, uh, whereas yeah, yeah. in this one movie, yeah, yeah, in this movie, Gerhalter uh, is taking various looks at uh, matter out of place, what it's called, which like it, it, you know, it just means what it literally says, which is like right. stuff that is not in the place where it came from. Right. Uh, but Human is waste, mostly, essentially. Yeah. yeah, is mostly mm-hmm. referring to trash. Yeah. Uh. And so, yeah, there's just, like, a bunch of stuff of, like, trash being disposed of or otherwise dealt with 
in yeah, various places. Yeah, transported. Uh, it starts with like a landfill in Austria, I think, being dug up. And there's a mm-hmm. little bit of dialogue there. And then there's no dialogue for like an hour. Uh, yeah. As they're just going, uh, there's just like a lot of cool like there there's a really great sequence uh at a ski resort where it's like yeah. how do you get trash down from this ski resort and they like put the garbage truck they like hang it off of a on the bottom an of the gondola yeah yeah on the air, yeah it's really crazy <laughs> yeah that's really cool you just see like this huge dump truck like floating through the sky yeah yeah that's great uh, and then there's, like, the scene where they're, like, collecting trash underwater in scuba gear. And that's got yeah. a great bit where, like, the trash is, like, sitting on the ground and you're like, oh, yeah, I guess this stuff doesn't float because otherwise it wouldn't be on the seafloor. How are they yeah. going to get it up? And then the answer to that is great. Uh mm. And then there's just, like, stuff that, like, I almost would have liked to see more of where he's, like, in, like, trash processing facilities where yeah, he's, like, he, shooting yeah, inside, the yeah, really inside good, of machines. Yeah, that stuff is great. I love the, like, long shot where he just shows the entirety of this, like, uh, like a giant shredder, like, going through yeah. just a bunch of shit. Um and then the I end... saw something else recently where it was like a big shredder, and I forget what it was. Interesting, but that that's been a weird motif. Oh, uh, were you watching Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles? <laughs> New Secret of Youth. Yeah, when he, comes, when he becomes big shredder yeah. after the ninja. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah. It's... I mean, it 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 made me be like, oh, someone should make like a a hydraulic press channel movie. Uh, it's sure. like that kind of vibe. I mean, yeah, uh, it is a like a, part uh, of it. a similar thing to like these other docs that we talk about, like this. Like, I got a little bit of like from Martino vibes, sure. but like uh, the sort of um, the way the whole movie of uh, Matter Out of Place is like filmed is it's, or I guess there's a little bit where it'll uh, the camera will move around, but it's mostly just these fixed camera mm-hmm. angles and yeah. fixed shots on like uh-huh. one area as like stuff is happening around yeah. it um which uh reminded me a lot of uh le quattro volte um sure. yeah i mean but, i think uh, most of the shots where the camera is moving it's because it's mounted on something mounted, that's yeah. moving rather than because the there's the one where the guy is like collecting the bags on the uh-huh. bike and that one is like very mobile mm-hmm. um uh, and that one's also, I mean, yeah, it, it is just like an interesting thing to see, like, how these different places deal with their own garbage. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, the, the, it is sort of like, I know it smelled crazy in there, the movie. <laughs> um, cause every part I was just like, God, all this garbage probably just stinks to high heaven. Mm-hmm. Um, the, uh, um, um, you mentioned the, um, the processing plant and that is mm-hmm. like crazy to just to see it go from like because it is like this downward facing shot like through these like huge deep holes that the garbage just falls into yeah and like you're just seeing it get shifted around and like pushed down and then there's like the shredders like andy mentioned and it is just uh it's just very like 
you know, mesmeric to look at. It's uh, right. The vibe I would say is like the uh, the the picture picture segments in Mister Rogers' Neighborhood, where you'd like see like oh, the sure. crayon factory or whatever. Uh-huh. Uh, sure, sure, sure. Yeah. Without like much narration or whatever happening. Mm-hmm. Like I guess that that had a little more narration, but like yeah, there's no like this is what's this step of the trash process. Sure. Like, yeah. yeah. The first R is like, re- uh, reduced. Uh, Maybe the thing I'm thinking, maybe this thing I'm thinking of was a little more heavily narrated, but there was a segment on um, Reading Rainbow I always think about where they show how you make bowling balls uh, that I really liked. There's that great YouTube video, How Ink is Made. Uh, There's a little bit of narration there, but it's some some great stuff. Yeah. Um, But yeah. And then it ends. Do we want to spoil the ending? I, yeah, I had this conversation. We were talking about this Andy before, before yeah. you got here about like it is like it's very fun to like figure out like oh this looks kind of like oh it is yeah. that. Um, let's just say uh, the 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 last like fifteen or twenty minutes um, is at a little bit of Burning, Burning Man. Man. Yes, yeah. uh, and then like, the cleanup process after Burning right, Man. Right? Yeah, the, like, like you see a little on. bit of like just like people in the desert, and there's a bunch there's of a dust. DJ set. Yeah, and then there's a DJ set, and then you see the the Burning Man, and then yeah, mm-hmm. there's just like they gotta get all this right trash like, out. It's a pretty extensive process. Right? Yeah, like, I mean it is comb through the desert like looking for any little bit of trash. It's right, crazy. and I no mean, trace. <laughs> yeah, I mean that that's. And they they also say matter out of place, which like yeah, I don't know if like, that's like a Burning Manny thing to say or if they just knew they were in this movie. Um, yeah, I, my guess is the former. Sure. Um. Uh, but then yeah, I mean it. It was a an observation by uh, Daniel Gorman, I think, at uh, interview online. Where it was like, I mean, they're doing a good job of getting the trash out of the desert, I guess, but then you've watched the rest of the movie and it's just like, it's just going to go somewhere else. It's like, it is just like, I mean, it is sort of part of, I guess the, the, the structure of the movie is like, it's always just getting moved somewhere else. Right. And then it's also a sick burn on the burning main people where it's like, this whole movie's about garbage. And then here's (laughs) these desert freaks who love to listen to DJs and wear like, borderlands cosplay yeah there was like a moment where i was like this looks insufferable but i get the like sort of just like the physical structure of it how that is like intriguing and would like be and would like be worth seeing if you didn't have to both be around those people and also be in the middle of the desert uh and what yeah uh something else i will say about the movie is that they do do a good job of capturing the sounds of all this and that it mm-hmm. is very immersively presented like i was watching in obvious less than ideal circumstances I, like i was watching i watched like half of it like on my phone on it on at work but i was wearing headphones and like mm-hmm. that was very cool and then like i uh-huh. had it on at home after work to finish it up and like yeah, the, the 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 stereo speaker experience of it was very cool. Like you really did feel immersed in the uh, yeah in 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 a lot of the the, the mechanics of it all, which was mm-hmm. nice. Yeah, but yeah, I think in, I mean like I I I don't know that his movies generally get very robust distribution. So that's more of a just like 
hopefully it pops up for you somewhere, but it's also a movie that, like, I would recommend, uh, checking out if you have the chance. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, Two. yeah. Two from Locarno that I would recommend. Yep, I think so. And, uh, yeah, I mean, there's, like, more stuff that sounds interesting that, uh, hopefully we'll get to at some point. There's, like, I, all almost nothing or maybe actually nothing from Locarno at TIFF this year. And then Did we talk about the movie that won the We Golden talked Leopard? about it last year. Uh, last week, sorry. A little yeah. bit. Uh, Rule 34. Yeah, Rule yeah. 34 is the name. And then the, the other award winners. Yeah, uh, but there's like... Right, yes, we did. Yes, and then, yeah, there's like a few other things that are in current, I think. Uh, and yeah, like the Soker... Uh, we didn't talk about the Sokarov last week, which sounds like sure. crazy. It's like uh, a bunch of like uh, towering figures uh largely of evil of the uh 20th century uh deep faked into i guess the afterlife just kind of hanging out sounds like there's a lot of in the sky type yeah sounds like there's a lot of uh hitler on the toilet um so if that no thank you (laughs) yeah (laughs) Um, hey, he's getting his shirt off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, really going to town. <laughs> Referencing a conversation we had before. I guess that was before we started yeah. recording. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and now it'll just be left up to interpretation what we're talking about. Um, uh-huh. I feel like that's a pretty A to B. I feel like there's not a lot of mystery there. But yeah, uh, if you think you figured it out, right? Email us. Yeah, yeah. tip us five dollars and we'll tell you you're correct. <laughs> mm-hmm. Every guess has to be bought. Yeah. Uh, if you, but if you give us twenty, then we'll just tell you you don't have to guess. Sure. Uh, um. Anyway. Yeah. Uh. Let's um. Let's talk about the TIFF schedule. Um. The TIFF schedule. How excited were you to open up TIFF for Andy? Ah. I was pretty excited. I didn't I was maybe not as excited as 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 Jesse. I know Jesse. Yeah, I mean, I was I was right into it. I really had like the moment. It, it came out real quick. It was like within yeah. like a half hour. This year. yeah, it was really fast. This I didn't year. even have to do the like intermediary step where I start throwing stuff in a spreadsheet so I have an idea of where the conflicts are already. Right. Um, yeah. It. Yeah. It. And yeah, I like did it so fast that uh i was like oh there's a movie in here that i had twice uh so i fixed that and then like an hour and a half later i was like oh there's another movie in there twice so i fixed that uh it's fixed now certainly still in flux i think those of us that are pressed we don't yet as of recording know exactly how redeeming tickets for Public, public screenings will go, yes. or how many of those we might be able to do. Uh, but we yeah, have to, for lots. This, this might be too like inside, but do we have to redeem tickets for press screening? Like, no, that's no just, press screening is just a line. Yeah, last oh. year you did. This year it's just a line. Uh, which is how that's it's been in previous years. Okay. It's uh, yeah, 
it's we'll see. I I think there was something about like I think it's been there's been like priority levels in previous years and this year it's just fully uh everyone just gets in the line. Uh there, first come first serve, right? Yeah, the the only time like while we were there that I remember hearing about like people getting turned away at the press screening was um high life. Uh, which is funny. That they might have just yeah, like they're... put that in too small a room. But yeah, I do uh, I do remember at my first TIFF I was like I had a ticket for something, but it was at the light box so I was waiting in line so I could pick my seat. And like at in one of the other theaters was the Stars Born press screening. So like I yeah. my first spotting of a lot of press people who I had like recognized from podcasts or whatever. They mm-hmm. were just like a floor above me on the waiting for the the Stars Born press screening. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah, the yeah, the press screenings are almost all in the um The Light Box or the Light Box or the Scotia Bank. There was one where I was like, Oh, they're doing that in the Royal Alexandria. It might be um Glass Onion. I believe uh, that is the case. Yeah. yeah. I was like, Oh, that's interesting. Uh but yeah. Here the, um here here's the thing just to start us off with. Tiffer, mm-hmm. which is the website you can use to mm-hmm. your schedule, try to lay out your tips. Yeah have the option where you can shortlist films uh-huh. and it keeps a tally of how many sure. people have shortlisted every movie. Do you want to guess what is the most shortlisted movie? I think I know. Does I anyone... saw this. I yeah. think. Oh, I don't yeah, know. I don't. So but I don't remember it. Guess. I remember what it isn't. I remember sure. that it's not Fablemans, which it's was not. surprising. Okay, so That's that was going to be one of my guesses. Uh-huh. Um, I mean, I guess I'm just going to have to go with the easy money and say My Policeman. I don't think it's not that either. Wow. Oh no! Isn't um, it? Isn't it the whale? It is. it is the whale. Let's go. Which is crazy because that movie is not having very many screenings. There's like one public. There's That's like the one funny. premium, um, premium screening in one of the big theaters, and then there's like one more in the Scotia Bank, and that's it. Uh, and then the press screening, obviously. So that. That one apparently is going to be a really tough ticket. They certainly could add a screening right. or two yeah. uh, later on in the festival. I think the other one that's like weirdly not playing very much is The Sun. Um, and then, yeah, the uh, other like big stuff is like they're showing The Fablemans a bunch and they're showing Glass Onion a bunch. But yeah, I that think, was I what was I think Glass Onion one. is actually number two. I think sure. Glass Onion that is makes two. sense. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, like, yeah, that's one where they have a lot. It's like Glass Onion has like five or six screenings, I think, and like it's uh-huh. like playing every day. Although a couple of the, a, a, at least two or three of them are at the Cinesphere, right? Uh, which which is... is, I am told, annoying to get to. Yeah, I uh, went there, and it is. Uh, I would say if you're, if you don't want to take an uber there uh leave yourself a real big buffer and also plan to just like walk around a lot uh sure. and also if you do take an uber you there is a substantial somewhat substantial walk from the entrance of the cinesphere to your seat in the cinesphere uh sure. but it is I, I think it's the oldest imax theater in North America. It is, like, an interesting 
place to see a movie. Uh, sure. Glass Onion wasn't shot on IMAX. On IMAX, cameras, no. I don't think. No. Uh, Moon Age is it a, Daydream, is it a large? Is there a lot of seats? Is that like? It's. I don't think it's bigger than. Um, like Roy I mean, Thompson there's a Hall fair amount, but like, I don't think it's yeah. bigger than like Roy Thompson Hall. Yeah. Uh, and then yeah, like I Moon, I, I don't. They're not showing Moon Age Daydream there, are they? Because that's getting an IMAX release, I think. I don't think so. I think it's only. Yeah. Glass Onion. There was like Maybe. weird um, stuff showing there last year, like Memorial. Oh, they are showing. Kind of... They are showing Moon Age Daydream okay. there. Okay. Okay, that makes sense. Uh, also, Pearl. Uh, Good night, Oppie. That's funny, Pearl. Devotion is getting a Sinister showing. Yeah, two of them. Two. Wow. All right. Well, yeah, it's another place where you can pack some people in. Uh, I keep forgetting about Pearl. Did you see <laughs> X? I did not. All right. Yeah, well, why? you can. Me neither. Probably. Should, should we go see Pearl without that. having seen X? No. <laughs> Uh, if we get a single donation of $100, I will go see Pearl at TIFF without seeing X. Same, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever gets the needle moving. Um, um, yeah. Did we want to, like, talk over our shortlist? Yeah. I mean, I can, like, I've got a schedule that, like, I feel... Oh, see, I haven't... Sure. I feel, like, pretty close. I mean, like, I'm not gonna just go through the whole thing, because that would take a long time. It's, you know, what's maybe more interesting is, like, the stuff at this point that I don't think is gonna fit, because, like, most of the stuff that I want to see, I think I will manage to fit in. Yeah, I guess, is there anything that you, anyone wanted to see that just the schedule of us being there it will not fit? There's like, nothing... Not, like, oh, you go ahead. I, I There's no... Uh, I get there too late on the 9th, so there's no way I'm going to be able to see Pacifiction, which is a bummer, mm. which I did want to see. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't I think, think I will be able to watch Walk Off. That's the, the one what? where, like, there's a Walk couple... The honk, the honk, the honk, the honk, yeah, sure, there's yeah. a couple where it's just, like, there's a tough choice, where it's, like, I am I basically have to pick between Walk Up and the Eternal Daughter, and I have the Eternal Daughter in there right now. Um, I think similarly... Uh, what is it? Uh, one Fine Morning and No Bears. Uh, the Me and Handsome Love and the Jafar Panahi. Those mm-hmm. I can't really fit in both of. Um, but that's like, you know, the, those are both movies. And like some of that could change if I move stuff around significantly enough. It's just like the the amount of moving around would like result in having even more public screenings, which like doesn't really make sense. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It looks like, yeah, I'm not gonna be able to fit Catherine Calberti in. Cause yeah, I, I don't like, think I'm, I, I miss the press screening either. day, and then I'm yeah, uh, I leave before its next public screening. Yeah, um, which that's a what little you, more what, a matter. What are you of watching just, like, instead of Catherine called Birdie that morning? I'm not there that day. I'm not. Oh, you're I'm, not. Tra- I'm traveling on Monday. I the 12th. that morning. Is it just? Is it the sanctuary morning also? That is sanctuary that morning. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I have uh, in that slot. Yeah. Um, 
And I guess Wendell and Wilde's also in there, but... And then, yeah, Catherine Calberti is also just, like, I'm excited for that movie, and but, like, it's coming out very quickly afterwards. Yeah, it'll be on, on, uh, on, on Amazon. Uh, yeah. In September, I think, right? Yeah. And, like, I'm yeah. skipping a lot of the big stuff, like... I, Fableman's and Glass Onion, I was sort of never like, oh, whatever, I don't need to do that. Um, I'll, I'll probably see, I'm sure I'll see this eventually, but like, and then like Banshees of Inisherin, I'm excited for, but I'm just like, that's coming out in October. The Sun, I'm not really, didn't really try especially hard to fit in. Um, the Christoph Honore, I would like to see that a lot and don't think that fits in. Uh, Winter Boy, which I've talked about some. Oh, and the decision to leave, I also am like, that's coming out. The movie's putting that out in October. That That's, like, very specifically, like, it's that or um, Horse Opera, which is, uh, it's actually, it's paired with uh, uh, a short, uh, Aventide, uh, which that's just, like, uh, 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 wavelengths movie by uh, Moira Davis that like that's never gonna get any kind of release. I actually, I just fa- I I watched um, what was it called? Hemlock, something. Uh, geez, that she directed. Uh, that I really liked. So I that convinced me like, all right, I can hold a fun uh, decision for leave for like this thing that. I probably wouldn't be able to see anywhere else. Uh, yeah, it's she's like, just like, yeah. It's like really interesting movie. I actually am like, I really want to watch it, and but it's just scheduled weirdly. It's like right. the first screening is before I'm there. Right? Uh-huh. Then the second screening is like a premium screening at night. Right. And I'm yeah. like, I don't know what the availability for that is. Uh-huh. And then the third screening is after I leave. Yeah, the press screening uh, is opposed to, I mean, it's opposed to a bunch of stuff, but the thing that I have over it right now is uh, De Humani Corporis Fabrica, uh, the Harvard Sensory Ethnography Lab movie, which I'm like, that. that's another one where I'm just like, I don't know when else I'd get to see that. Um, yeah. I actually want to hear Colin shortlist his Colin, sure. not, the, not the rub salt in the wound... He uh, has less, may watch less movies than the rest of us. Because I mean, I definitely will watch less than the rest of you. I not only am I not pressed, I only bought a six ticket package, <laughs> so I'm not even seeing uh, double digits uh, for now. At least there's always a chance that I yeah, like, single ticket certain mm-hmm. yeah can get stuff. Um, so my shortlist, um, I had Dehumani Corporis Fabrica, sort of a dare to myself, because it is about surgery, which makes me squeamish. But also, mm-hmm. I like those Harvard SEL movies, and I think it would be cool to see it in the theater. Yeah. Um, I had the documentary, uh, documentary Now episodes just because I was like, it'd be funny to see them yeah. there. I'm sure if like, they show up, they'll do some funny stuff <laughs> before, and I like sure. Documentary Now. But then also, it's just like, it's TV. It'll be out in October. Yeah, that's I all, I yeah, need, like, I mean, also, that is like, Maybe don't do that until you've seen the guest list, which they usually put out at some point. Sure, sure, sure. I, yeah. Like, um, I assume someone must right. be coming. If, like, Blanchett is yeah. there, like, it might be worth it to I mean, go. Yeah, like, yeah, well, sure. yeah, that's also, um, yeah. I mean, uh, I mean, I would be more like, yeah, it, I, it would always be funny to watch, like, Seth Meyers and yeah. John Mulaney do a bit together. Yeah, or, or like, yeah. Hater. 
Hater and Armisen all there together. Like, uh, but yeah, uh, I had EO, which is uh, is one of the ones uh, mm-hmm. I have on my like my soft schedule right now. Yeah. Also, where I'm like, I do want to try and pri- prioritize this. Yeah. Same with Eternal Daughter. Mm-hmm. Same with Fablemans. Uh, this one, I, when I was just sort of looking through the whole Tiffer list and like seeing what looked interesting, I haven't heard much about it. Um, I think we talked about it because it was at can i believe maybe director's fortnite uh but falcon lake the charlotte lebon yeah uh, looks interesting um how to blow up a pipeline the yeah. daniel gold mm-hmm. uh gold hopper it didn't make my schedule yet but i might try and see if i can find yeah. a spot for uh-huh. it and or like look for a single ticket because yeah, i'm sure that's... that one won't be like hard to get a single ticket probably for. not though there um, is like there's it's certainly there's the soft buzz being platform built. that like yeah is the most buzz about um yeah, I think I'm going to try and see that as well. Uh, yeah, I have, it's on my schedule. Yeah, yeah I've got um, One Fine Morning, which is mm-hmm. obviously just me and Hanson Love. Yeah. Uh, Passive Fiction, which I mentioned. I had Sanctuary. I don't know if I'll be able to make it. Mm-hmm. Uh, my horny ass can't see Sanctuary in public. <laughs> 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 which is the, uh, the only way you should see it, just so you keep it. Yeah, I guess check. so. Kind of a Paul Rubin situation. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Oh, <laughs> More of a Fred Willard, but, uh, anyway. Yeah, Fred Willard, R.I.P. Don't speak all of the dead, Andy. Uh, Who's speaking ill? I think it's cool that he beat off of the theater. <laughs> I guess it's not speaking ill if you liked it. Um, then I also had the shorts program number six, which is the one that had the uh, Sophie Ramvari yeah. short, which I'm excited for. Uh-huh. Uh, Triangle of Sadness. <laughs> uh, again, sort of a dare to myself. Walk up, obviously, the Hong. Um, I had the Wavelengths 2, yeah. which is the one that had the Kurt Walker short, uh-huh. which I wanted to see. Yeah, I've heard um, that. And then I had uh, Women Talking, which uh-huh. I don't think right now I have a spot for on my schedule. Yeah. Um, and that's... But I should maybe. Yeah, Women Talking, I think, is not going wide until Christmas Day. Sure. Uh, but sure, it'll yeah. be out this year. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I did I mean, hear yeah. about Women Talking, which doesn't surprise me, but uh, that Holly did uh, change it a little bit so that like, in the book, the book is narrated by. Uh, the Banton Wishaw character, and it doesn't sound like mm-hmm. there's like a lot of narration in the movie anyway. And like obviously, it sure. was it, I. I was like, is Ben Wishaw going to be the lead of the movie? It does sounds like the little bit of narration that there is, she gave to the Rooney Mara character, uh, which makes sense. Who is uh, the most prominent? of the women in the book though the other her sister is also a really good role which i think is fully and then it sounds like the role that buckley's in was maybe made a little bit bigger uh but yeah that yeah yeah Uh, there's just there's other stuff that i'd be like softly interested in like maybe even something that i don't know like right that's sort of i always think about the example of like the first year we went uh, we did this thing where we were just like watching all the trailers on the TIFF channel mm-hmm. and there was a trailer for Transit that was just like a little clip from the movie uh-huh. I was like that looks interesting maybe I should try and see that and I was like nah I'll see something else and now it's like <laughs> what a mistake I could have seen Transit and like yeah. had this great experience with it I'm sure yeah. but, uh... we'll do some more I think we'll talk about trailers more in a little bit sure, uh, yeah, there yeah, is yeah. like there's smaller stuff that I currently have I mean I have currently all of um wavelengths in my schedule i think i might be able Mm -hmm. to manage that um until branches Um, band is another one that's interesting to me that's in discovery um 
Sophie Jarvis is the director. I think it came to my attention because um, she had been the production designer on a movie that is well liked. Um, another Canadian movie. Um, but then the um, lead of that is Grace Glowicki, who's an actor who I like. Uh, I had sort of made half made the decision that like I was gonna start this by watching the inspection. And it's that sort of like sort of weirdly like soft blocked Godland for me mm-hmm. because it just didn't make sense. But then I watched the trailer for the inspection today, and I was like, "This looks bad." <laughs> so maybe I'll just watch Godland. Yeah, that's interesting. I haven't seen the trailer. I don't have either of those uh, New York uh, gala slots in. Uh, yeah, that one, I mean, that one is also, it's coming out in October, right? Sure. Yeah. I I, I, I am, like, I guess it is, like, where we all talk about our priorities. It's like, I am more of a person who will just, like, I'll just watch anything because it's, like, I don't know if anything will ever get the theaters near me. So I I truly, like, do not take for granted that it's, like, yeah, this will play near me. Yeah. But uh, though it's eight twenty four, but I don't. It like truly, just looked like a bad a weepy drama. It just That's, like truly just yeah. looked interesting. Like I Maybe, I like I'm like soft holding out hope that it's just like they cut this trailer mm-hmm. for it to look like yeah. that, and the movie's actually more interesting than that. But the movie that that trailer is selling does not seem appealing to me. Yeah. Also. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm sort of at the place where, like, you know, I think I have a good idea of what I will probably be using all my, like, public screening tickets for and, like, using that a lot on a lot of my priorities. So then, like, from here on out, it's just, like, well, what are the big gaps I have and, like, what are the press screenings happening at those times? And, like, there's probably a couple of those times where I'm, like, oh, like, the you know, what of these movies should I try to go see right now? Like, and I might throw it out to, like, you guys or, or, sure. or someone and, yeah. and be, like... Well, I have, I have, I'm seeing like Friday, Friday, I'm like looking at like one fine morning in the morning and then all the beauty and bloodshed like late at night. And so I have like the whole midday uh-huh. of like nothing in there. So I'm like, what, what are the sure. press screenings on that day? I should try to, or, or Thursday yeah. morning. I don't really have anything. Wait, so. wait, did you say sure. Friday? Yeah. Friday, the, the 16th. Do you know what's the second thing you're watching? Uh, all the beauty and bloodshed, the, the, the point. No, what's the duck? What what are you watching after that? Nothing. Nothing. That's I mean, at that's at nine thirty at night. In the morning, I have one fine morning on Friday the sixteenth. Oh, you're the sixteenth. Oh, I I forgot that yeah. you're getting there late. That's yeah. crazy. Yeah, I'm. Uh, it's, it's couldn't be helped. Uh, mm-hmm. it is creating interesting. Like, I'll I'll be able to see most of the like big ticket stuff that I want to uh-huh. see. I probably wouldn't won't be able to fit in Glass Onion, which like I. You know, I really love seeing Knives Out at TIFF, and I thought it yeah, would, you know, fun. I think it would be fun to, to see the sequel there. But like, whatever. Um, but, but yeah, there is like, especially like with just like what the press screenings are towards the end. It's a lot of stuff where I'm being like, I guess I'll just take a shot on the dart on uh, in the dark on like one of these three or four things and like figure out yeah. what what yeah. I want to do. Um, yeah, yeah, but yeah, I'm excited. I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm, like, I'm glad that there's a lot of Fableman screenings. I mean, they obviously know what they're right. doing there. Um, yeah. yeah, should be cool. Should be a fun time. Should be 
Yeah. Great yeah. to see the I movies. Hope some point soon, get a email from Tiff letting me know when I'll be able to pick my tickets. Uh huh. <laughs> uh huh. Yeah. Yes, and we should hopefully we'll know how many yeah. public tickets we get soon, and sure. uh-huh. what we would yeah. want to do if we wanted to see premium screenings or mm-hmm. like any of that stuff. But. Yeah, and I'm also just like negotiating the like I would like to I would like my uh, days of falling asleep at screenings to be behind me, and they were last year, so it's just negotiating like how late can I stay out, how early. That is can true. I get I'm, out? Yeah, I don't know if I've like, sleep proofed my schedule yet. Yeah, I yeah. I kind of did that. Uh, later, like t- late this evening, where I was like, "All right, let's cut some of these evenings." Where I'm like, "I'd like to like Manticore, the Carlos Vermouth, Baby Ruby, the Best Wool." I'm like, "I'd like to see both of those," but like, uh, they both end like after eleven. I think I was like, "That's yeah. probably not a good idea." I think I don't have any movies ending after eight, and I only have one that starts in like a nine a.m. I think. Yeah. Uh, there might be a couple. Press screenings, um, it's, like, tough not to do mornings. To do and early. I've become more of a yeah. morning person. I love the vibe of a morning thing. screening. I really do. Like, yeah. showing up with, like, a cup of hot tea or whatever to the screening. Like, I really love that vibe for some reason. Yeah, so yeah. I am... Coming up with a kettle of tea, <laughs> <laughs> boiling Amelia water making the most, like, egregious, like... <laughs> it's verging on De Niro face is what he's making at me <laughs> for saying this. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> <see> my movie, <laughs> but yeah, I am. I'm, I and and also it's just like not nice to have like evenings free. So it's just like uh, we can hang out in the evening and you know. Yeah, that's what I was there's... gonna say. I have I have my evenings free because I'm gonna get it in. <laughs> I'm not gonna do so much of that. So maybe I should just be going to movies. Uh, <laughs> We'll see. Yeah. But yeah, there's weirdly, um, like, the the first weekend, there's a lot of, like, oh, I guess I just have a blank space here, uh, which is, like, I guess that's fine. I'll just, like, like between 1.43 and 9 p.m. and 9.15 p.m. on Friday, I'm like, yeah, all right, I'll just hang out that afternoon, I guess. I was like, mm-hmm. I could, the Kingdom Exodus press screenings in there, but I'm like, I'd rather just hang out than see two episodes of the Kingdom when I don't even know if I'm yeah. going to be able to see the good restorations of the first two, so. What's your busiest day? Uh, I have a couple, I had a couple days with five before I uh, sleep-proofed it. I think I maybe am down to a couple with four now um, i think for me it's my first day the tuesday the oh 13th. no i still have five Where movies have slotted in well four movies in a shorts program slotted in on uh, 9 11 uh i've got the eternal daughter at 9 15 causeway at 11 35 how to blow up a pipeline at 3 15 wavelengths 2 at 6 45 which i didn't realize is under an hour long uh, and then St. Omer at 8.10, which that ending at 10.12 is, I think, about as late as I have anything ending at this point. Uh, I guess I have Queens of the Qing Dynasty really late on Tuesday, and then don't have anything till 11.30 the next day, and that's also a thing I could skip. I have Catherine called Birdie Glass on the Eternal Daughter after Sun Manticore on mm-hmm. Monday. 
Uh-huh. I might not watch Manticore. Yeah, I I had that I had that Manticore screening. I if if I were going to that Manticore screening, which like it's a press screening, I could just game time throw it in. Uh, but that would also be five movies because I have sanct. That's the day after I the other five movie day, and I have Sanctuary nine oh five, Love Life eleven ten. Oh, The Maiden is a movie that we haven't talked about that I saw a little or no. Maybe I did talk about it last week. It's late and I'm tired. Uh, it's a movie from Giornate that I saw a clip from that I am remembering talking about on this podcast now. Uh, Graham Foy, a Canadian director, and then Concrete Valley, which is a uh, a wavelength movie by a Toronto uh, uh, Canadian director. But yeah, I think it's... Should we... Yeah. Um... Yeah, we should use I mean, this as an opportunity start to, to, to segue. Yeah, to switch mm-hmm. to the next segment. Yeah, uh, Emilio, you got something exciting in store for us, right? What's coming up on the pod? Um, I recorded a segment uh, a couple of days ago. I tweeted out that anybody who replied to it, this tweet with their letterbox. I would give them a special recommendation of a movie playing TIFF that they should pay attention to, whether they are attending or not. I got around 25 responses, and I recorded a segment of me talking about each person and giving them their special little recommendation. And I will probably slot in right here. Hey, everybody. This is Emilio. This week... I'm doing a bit of a solo section. I'm flying solo. Um, I haven't been on the podcast as much recently because I've had a different work schedule that sort of interfered with things. So I decided to give all you lovely listeners what you've been desperate for, just like what you've been begging for, which is some solo Emilio content. And this is a segment that, I don't know, maybe it goes right, maybe I'll do more of it in the future i'm gonna call it emilio's concierge service now for people who weren't paying attention to the can i kick it twitter to my twitter this week i basically asked for a bunch of people to drop to reply to a tweet of mine with their letterbox accounts and with the promise of i will look at their letterbox accounts And using that plus whatever I know about this person just like from knowing them personally online or just like whatever other information I can gather from just like their overall letterbox profile. I would take all of this information and try and come up with a recommendation for a movie that is playing at TIFF for them to keep an eye on. I know some of these people will be at TIFF. Some of these people will not. But, uh, you know, it's always nice to just like keep your eye on stuff that you think looks interesting from festivals because who knows that's a that's just like a good way to know what's coming out especially for smaller stuff which might not be getting a big marketing push or you might not hear people talking about it but you don't want to miss on stuff that might be interesting or relevant to you personally and i got let's say around 20 people maybe a little more who wanted this sort of who like gave me their letterbox and wanted me to do this and i will be honest with you it was harder than i thought now i'm a person who generally loved recommending things i I love like giving people gifts i love trying to figure people out and try to figure out what they want 
but I probably should have asked for a more specific prompt because it turns out when you just look at people's letterbox and you don't have like that much time to dig into like every single thing on it, you do sort of get this sense of you so it's sort of bad to get a sense of like what people's tastes are, what their personality is. It turns out a lot of people's five star movies that they've rated very highly are movies that literally everyone likes. So it's hard to just like pick out stuff from it. But you know, I think overall I was able to come up with something interesting for everybody. I also tried to stay away from a lot of the mainstream stuff. There will be a couple of things that people have heard of or or that some of these people will have heard of that I will get recommended, but it's like for the most part, I've wanted to give something, people something that they had not heard of or had not known to pay attention to because it's just more interesting that way. It's better to, it's better to, like, what, that's, like, the goal of this thing where it's just, like, I want to give something to people something to pay attention to. Like, if I'm not going to tell somebody to pay attention to a movie I know they're already paying attention to. So, especially with the people I know closely, I tried to give them something that I think would be a little different. With that out of the way, I think I should start the segment. I'm going to start with my friend Megs. Oh, I guess also beforehand, I will try to refer to everybody by their letterbox name. Or if I know them personally, I maybe might use a little different name. But I'll try to stick with letterbox name because, you know, I don't want to blow up anybody's spot. I don't know exactly how everybody wants to be referred to. So I feel like that's like an easy way to get through this if i maybe pronounce something wrong or said something wrong if any of the for any of the people they can feel free to reach back out me anyway let's go back to my friend mags mags just strong personality i really like talking to her she's a very funny person in in a older era some might refer to her as brassy she she is she's very fun she's a very bright person so there were a lot of angles i could have taken to for movies to recommend to her but ev- but eventually on her letterbox four i saw that she had to film jazz on a summer's day i know that she likes music i know that she likes these sort of vibe pieces so i decided to recommend to her Louis Armstrong's Black and Blues. This is a t- from the Tiff Doc section, which is a th- it's sort of this film that seems to be compiling a lot of Louis Armstrong, famous jazz musicians, audio diaries, and is sort of trying to reckon with his music, his process, and a lot of his politics, and just try to get a general portrait of how who this man who this man was just like personally and politically and just like what his personality was and how that led to him being such a great and recognized musician it seems to be in black and white probably has some gorgeous like old archival footage and cinematography and cinematography and it just seems very just straightforward recommendation it just seems good it seems like a it seems like a high floor movie like just like a nice archival doc based on some interesting music it's sort of hard to fuck that one up too much like i feel like you there's no way it can be that bad and it's and it's always like a fun sort of thing to program in the middle of the festival this is 
So, Max, Louis Armstrong's Black and Blues. Number two. We're going to have my friend Wolvie. Kenny, some might know him as. They have a uh, podcast called Pass the Golden Popcorn, where they talk about the MTV Movie Awards and different awards they've given out. I've been on it twice, talking about best villains and talking about best kiss in different years, which I can't really remember right now, but it was fun to do. Now, Wolvie, this one is a little more personality-based rather than going to their letterbox, because Wolvie... Like, if you know him personally, he is famous for his uh, old recap. He'll send you these recaps of what's happening on Riverdale as one of the few people who can still watch and make sense of Riverdale. And he likes just, like, springing information of all the crazy stuff that's happening on that show. I also know him as a watcher, know them as a watcher of Grey's Anatomy. And... So I know that he's a person, they're a person who really enjoys thinking profoundly and deeply about these sort of more casual, like zeitgeisty pieces of pop culture. I know them as a person who really messes with stuff from like Disney Channel and stuff like that. So I figured I'd give him something along the YA sort of genre, general demeanor and disposition. Now, I had a struggle finding stuff like that because there's just a lot of movies here and there's just and it's hard to sort of just like pick apart stuff that might seem like different lighter fare but I did show this list to fellow co-host Jesse and she did point me to some stuff that fits in different buckets that I'll mention but this one in this one is one of them this name is Aristotle and Dante discover the secrets of the universe Directed by Aich Alberto. It's a movie about two Mexican-American teenagers who find the connection in 1987 El Paso. It's a coming-of-age tale based on a best-selling novel by Benjamin Alire Sainz. And it seems interesting. Jesse also informed me that the book that this is based on seems pretty well-liked. It And also another factor in this one is that I... Is that for a lot of people, I know their status about whether they will be attending TIFF or like whether they will be attending another festival, like what their general levels of accessibility are to these movies. And I tried to pick around them. So there are a couple people I know who will be going to New York Film Festival. And I tried to recommend movies that were on this lineup that were also there. But for this one, I know that will be is Canadian and they probably have access to the digital TIFF Bell light box, which means that I wanted to recommend them something that would that was available on there from the festival, which is not a huge lineup, but it does have some interesting stuff from different sections, and this is one of them. So if they wanted to, they could pick out this movie from home and watch it there. So yeah, Aristotle and Dante discovered the secrets of the universe. There you go, Wolfie. Next up, we have Sig. We all love Sig. She's some nowhere the short-haired donut lady. She makes ice cream. She's uh, one of the best Seattleites. I've, you know, we're friends. I've sort of gotten to know her taste. Like, I've looked at her letterbox a little, but I do know the sorts of movies that she likes. 
And for her, I wanted to go with something that was like a little Midnight Madnessy, like a little like genre, because I know she's sort of into that sort of stuff, but not something horror. Because I, I, like, I think she likes horror movies, but I don't think that I don't I don't really associate them with her. She's more of a like a thriller person, sort of a mystery person. So I decided to pick out this movie, Hunt, directed by Lee Jung Jae, who is a Korean action star. He's in these movies called The House Made in Deliver Us from Evil, and he directed this movie, which is a 1980 set thriller. Who he plays an intelligence chief who covers the plot to assassinate the president of South Korea while hunting for a mole within his own agency. So yeah, this like foreign East Asian like intense thriller. I feel like that this is the sort of stuff that is up her alley, and I hope she picks up and gets to check out whenever it comes near her. Hunt by Lee Jung Jae. Next up, we have Jason O'Rear. Jason O'Rear. I mostly looked at their letterbox. I am I'm a little friendly with him. I I do know him. I know he is of. Uh, an employee of a fairly large company involved in the film industry. I don't know if he wants anything more than that said, so I will just leave it at that. And for Jason, his letterbox for it were Back to the Future, all that jazz, Cleo from 9 to 5, and Sunset Song. So I sort of like latched onto Cleo from 5 to 7 and Sunset Song, and I was like, that's interesting. These are a couple of like female-led dramas there might be something I know that there's a lot of that sort of movie in the TIFF lineup let me look for something and I figured I went with something that is like interesting it's not like the lowest key thing on, on at TIFF it's uh, Return to Soul by Davy Chow now this is a movie that played in the Uncertain Regard, I think it can. I'm trying to remember whether it played Uncertain Regard or Directors Fortnite. I think it played Uncertain Regard. It's also playing New York. And it's playing this. So this movie seems to be, you know, when it's getting programmed a lot of places, you know, sometimes it just means it probably has a good sales agent. But I feel like generally it means that, you know, programmers are liking it. They think it's worthy. So I think it's like, if people seem to like it, it. Davy Chow's dazzling second feature, a mercurial 25-year-old, could be could describe me pretty soon. Born in South Korea and raised in France by adopted parents. Not really me, but you know, we do things. Returns to her motherland in search of answers. So yeah, it just seemed like a intimate, like personal female-led drama. So I decided that this would be a good pick for Jason. He hope he checks it out. Moving on, Rainer Vanderzow. This is their name on Letterboxd. Rainer Zhao is their name on Letterboxd. Rainer Van Der Zhao seems to be, I think, is their name on Twitter, probably. Yeah. So, Rainer Van Der Zhao, I looked. This one is more where I did what I ended up doing for a lot of these people. Where it was, I went to Letterboxd. I looked at their favorite four. But then I also went into their every movie they've rated and went to sorted by their highest star rating and then skipped past all the fives and went to the 4.5 because I generally think that's more indicative of the sorts of movies you like specifically as a person rather than five stars because I feel like five stars tends to be a lot of just like 
classic canon like we all agree these are good movies like sometimes there's something interesting but i think a lot of time we can fall into the same movie so i figured going into 4.5 it is more of like a these are the sorts of movies these people are interested and i think and i saw a lot of like thrillers a lot of horror stuff a lot of like very grimy stuff so for them i decided to go with midnight madness feature project wolf hunting by kim hong sun Bloody Bedlam breaks out on the high seas and writer-director Kim Hong-sung's gnarly action thriller that pits cops versus cons aboard a cargo ship with a sinister secret in its hold. I did watch a trailer for this, and it seemed interesting. It seemed, like, crazy. It seemed gnarly. You know? It's classic Midnight Madness Fair. I mean, I guess it's not horror, which would be the most classic Midnight Madness Fair, but it is, like, sort of what I associate it, which is, like, bloody genre. And I figured Rainer would like that based on the sorts of movie they seem to like. They also described themselves on their letterbox profile as a music journalist from Amsterdam, which seems like the coolest thing a person can be. So crazy. Good for them. Next up, I'm going with Mikhail Alec. They seem to be from San Francisco. And for them, in their top four, in their top four, they seem to ha- they had Heather is when Harry met Sally in the mood for love, Hiroshima Monomore. But I know this person from a shared Discord server. I do. I think I have thought in the past like, oh, I feel like we're weirdly similar people, or like feel like we're into similar things. So, for Mikael, I figured they seem a little like me. How about I just give them a movie I know I really like? And that is my favorite movie of the year. Mia Hansen's Love. Mia Hansen Loves. Mia Hansen's Love. Like Attorney General. That would be funny. Mia Hansen Loves One Fine Morning. Umbo Mateen. Uh, you can go read my piece, Who is Can 4, on Dim the Bright Lights. You can talk to me at any time, and I'll tell you how much I love this movie. Mia Hansen Love is somebody who I used to have reservations about then now i think it's just like one of the best filmmakers in the world maybe my consistent favorite Lo- really love this movie and uh bergman island i should re-evaluate her earlier films uh you know it's about leah Sadu. she's a single mother she's trying to take care of her daughter take care of her ailing father and try to develop a relationship with this guy all at the same time and it's like pretty light it's pretty breezy like Despite it being this movie about these things that she has to balance in her life, you never, like, are too overwhelmed by any of the, like, stress of any of those things, which I feel like is very smart. And by Mia Hansen Love's part, she really sort of coasts on the vibe and really lets you live as these, pe- as these people and, like, what you can sort of enjoy about all these things and why these things are worth struggling for. And I just found it really lovely, and I hope Mikael enjoys it. One fine morning. Next up, we're going to Burger. Zach G on Letterboxd. I know this from a I know Burger from a Discord server also. For Burger. Okay, so Burger, I believe their Letterboxd page is not loading for me right now, but I do believe what I fought with Burger is I looked a lot of the, their four point five, I looked at their favorite movies, and there were a lot of like female led films and there were also a lot of like Detective noir like, mystery stuff. So, I figured I would give them something that would do both. 
which is Ali Abbasi's Holy Spider. This movie premiered at Cannes, it premiered in competition. Um, it, it's, it was, it seemed very up my, like, wheelhouse. I did not get a chance to see it at Cannes just because of, like, general schedule messiness and just how hard it was to get into anything. But uh, in Iran's spiritual capital, Mashhad, Mashhad, tell me if I'm pronouncing that right, somebody. A dangerous and brutal cat and mouse game unfolded between a serial killer and a journalist seeking justice. And I believe this is a female journalist seeking justice. And it's sort of like, and it sort of takes part of place of like this sort of noir investigation mystery of just like this person trying to figure out who the serial killer is and trying to stop these killings. And it just seems very interesting to me. And I hope I get to see it at TIFF. Maybe let's see like how my schedule works out. But I think it seems up it could be a burger's alley so holy spider there you go next up we have max coville max coville is a film writer he has a podcast called it's a pictures podcast which i did go on after i went to can where we talked about all i saw at can and what it was like and we talked about some news um so for max I saw he had an interest. I saw on his letterbox, just by through sort of knowing, getting to know him a little bit over through his Twitter and stuff, that he's a big fan of East Asian films. He writes about that stuff a lot when he's writing for publications such as Paste and Polygon and stuff like that. So, I figured I would give him something that I don't know if he's fully familiar with. This is this. This is the sort of filmmaker who. I feel like I talk about constantly because I do this podcast and I talk to a lot of fans of him, but I don't know about, like how popular they really are because he truly like probably three years ago, I had no idea who this person was. And it is interesting to see more people who appreciate them and get their thoughts on them. But this is uh, Hong Sang Soo's Walk Up, the new Hong Sang Soo movie. As everybody knows, there's a film festival in the world, so we need to have a Hong Sang Soo movie there. It's just like a real... You know, Hong Sang Soo, you know, sort of know what to expect of the movies. A lot of gentility, a lot of interesting, very personal conversations. I guess personal conversation is the wrong way to put it, but I feel, I, I guess their conversations loaded with personality. They're rarely, they're rarely like plot loaded because this movie, they're very, pl- their movies are very plot light. He, they're just about who these people are, what they want, like, the specific sort of situation they are in right now, things they want from each other. And while I don't love all his movies, I'm certainly not the biggest Hong Sang Soo evangelist in the world. I do always find this approach very interesting, and I feel, feel like everybody should get exposed to him. And I feel like somebody who is a writer like Max should get to check him out. But I don't know him that well, so maybe they are already familiar with Hong Sang Soo, are a big fan, and this is a bad recommendation. But, uh, you know. Hopefully they don't, and I guess hopefully they do, because it's you know it's always great to know a filmmaker and be a fan of Hong Sang Soo. But if they don't, yeah, you should check them out. I think you'd like Hong Sang Soo. Walk up. Next up, we have Prof. Prof, I know is a is a Lithuanian. Another person I just went to your letterbox, figured out a lot about. Uh, they. And they were just the sort of person who I, they were more like, they seem to like a lot of different stuff. 
But, you know, there was a lot of, like, noir thrillers in there also, so I gave him the decision to leave. You know, it's Park Chan-wook. It's sort of hard to go wrong with Park Chan-wook. Obviously, he's a filmmaker who in his past he's made movies like Old Boy, and he's made movies like Sympathy for Lady Vengeance, and even his last feature film, I believe, was The Handmaiden. That's crazy. That's, like, six years ago at this point. But uh, I guess he worked on TV shows in between that. Uh, which are, like, fairly intense. They have a lot of, like, mature themes. There's a lot of sex and stuff in them. But uh, I feel like he's just, like, very well regarded for anybody who just, like, is willing to appreciate film on that, like, on that level. He's just uh, very good, very fun. But very cool filmmaker. And this one seems good. It seems more low-key than his previous ones. Which I feel like is what left people a little cold at can. People were expecting another sitcom movie from him. And he maybe made something that's a little more intense in a traditional way than sitcom. But, you know, he's just, like, supremely talented as a filmmaker. So I don't, I, it'd be hard to, for me for me to imagine him making something that's not worth watching. So there you go, Prof. Decision to leave. Next up, we have Simon Sweeney, previous guest of this podcast. You know, Simon. Interesting guy. Funny guy, cool guy. Loves music, loves a lot of stuff. You know, sometimes I enjoy ragging on him when we in our conversations. I know other people like doing so also. But, you know, he's generally a pretty cool, chill person. And I sort of, he's, I think he's also a very like, smart person and good writer. So he's a person who I was just like, what's something interesting? What's something to push him? And I found this movie called Dry Ground Burning. Dry Ground Burning is in wavelength, which, you know, is more the experimental out there section of, of tip, which is sort of where I wanted to find something for him. Because I feel, always feel like if some, if you know, somebody is like willing to go places with willing to go different places with film and willing to like give things a shot, you always want to push a, push that as far as you can and see what they want to check out and see people doing different stuff. Dragon Burning, Mato Seco M Chamas, I believe is the Portuguese title of this film. Maybe this film is from Portugal. Maybe, I guess it could be, no, I think it's Portuguese. Directed by Joana Pimenta and Adli Quiros. An all-female gang draws oil from an underground pipeline and sells it to working-class motorbike couriers. And this hybrid feature, part narrative documentary, part crumbling sci-fi, part western. You know? And I always love, like, a genre blend like that. Also a blend of, like, documentary, real-life stuff. Like, a bunch of different stuff. I always feel like that's an interesting format that I feel like a lot of more interesting, experimental, wavelength-type directors use. And I feel like... This gives Simon a little bit of that. I think he I think he could appreciate it. This seems good. So drag around burning. Next up we have Ethan Brundine. Ethan Brundine. You might know as the host of a very good heavy metal, which is a very good Scooby Doo podcast. But apart from Scooby Doo, I generally think of Ethan Brundine as a person who can just in film appreciate something like the level of sincerity something very intimate emotional it's like if it's lived in and feels real so i gave them the inspection by elegance bratton 
Uh, Alexander Branton's remarkable debut or retelling of the filmmaker's own life story follows a man, played by Jeremy Pope, who joins the Marine Corps after being thrown out of his mother's home at 16 for being gay and living for years in a housing precarity. Obviously, a lot of interesting emotional ground to show up there. Uh, not a movie that was very super on my radar, but it did get, I believe, the closing film slot at New York. And it's interesting, with New York, where I'm at with them right now, I t sort of trust them, their programming kind of implicitly. Not that they don't play bad movies occasionally, but I do feel like they're a crew of generally good taste, and them giving this sort of, like, up-and-coming, less-known filmmaker this big a slot sort of makes me confident that this is a movie that is worthwhile at some level. So, it seems to fit the bill, and I does seem to have like some markers of potential quality so there you go ethan the inspection next up we had moodles now moodles she's a character there's a lot of places that could have gone with moodles so moodles is the, one of the few people maybe the only person here well we'll give two films to first up i know i this is sort of a joke but also sort of serious uh i know moodles is a person who likes to sort of reclaim not forgotten about, but dismissed, let's say, all tours, directors of cinema, people who make studio movies that maybe didn't make a lot of impact or maybe made impact, but nobody associates them with their director as much as their star or like a certain moment of time. Think of Adam Sandler directors or people like Alan Covert. I know that she has sort of dedicated some time to her, to those sorts of filmmakers. So I figured I'd give him one of those. Give her one of those. So I recommended The Blackening, which is a Midnight Madness horror film by Tim Story. It's Tim Story, we know as director of the, the director of such films as the Fantastic Four duology of the mid two thousands, Fantastic Four and Fantastic Four: Rise of the Silver Surfer, Tom and Jerry, Ride Along. You know, just a lot of movies like that. You know, like you all, you know, all these titles, but you, I feel like the listener out there doesn't really have positive feelings on them. And I figured Moodles would probably be the right person to maybe reclaim some of those in Tim's story. So I figured I'd give her, her this Tim story movie to see if she would enjoy it. Based on three beat comedies acclaimed catch of the same name, the actress, director Tim Story, Savage, savvy and vicious skewering of genre film tropes possesses a sardonic question if the entire cast of a horror movie is black. Who dies first? But I'll, but if you're asking me genuinely, do I think the black is the blackening a good movie? Probably not. So this is why I gave her a different suggestion. I know she will be around the New York Film Festival. So I figured she should just check out Albert Sarah's Path of Fiction. I do know her as a fan of films such as Days and other more muted slow cinema world cinema type movie then i think albert Sarah would be an interesting place for her to go and just like see what she likes with him she, uh, he seemed like an interesting filmmaker i know a lot of people at Cannes liked it was the movie too weird to get any prizes from Cannes? maybe a little weird for competition but you know he's generally a well-regarded director among the people who have the patience to give him time so i figured she should check out path of fiction path of fiction and the black and eat noodles nick hoffman nick hoffman the person I know from Twitter, SF legend, cur curling legend. Uh, my take on Nick's taste, 
I don't know if he would agree or disagree with that, but I think he likes a lot of stuff that is sort of out there. I feel like a lot of times I hear about these movies that are like, you know, the, the, sort, the sort of like, oh, that's a movie or like they made that or like they made that this way. That's crazy. I feel like he's always onto that sort of stuff. So I figured I'd give him something a little interesting or something a little documentary, which is De Humani Corporis Fabrica. Now, we've, I feel like we've briefly touched on this movie before in the podcast. This movie is by the Harvard Stenography Grab. Ethnography Grab? I don't, re- I don't really know what, what those people, because I haven't really watched any of their movies, but I have heard good things about all of them. They're the people behind Leviathan, um, Manakamana, Kaniba is another movie that among those. And the directors of this movie specifically are Lucien Castian Taylor and Verena Parabel. And this is a movie that is a lot of very close up or very detailed shots of surgery being performed. So it, it seems to be not for the weak of stomach. It seems to like could be word like could fuck people up, but it does seem like a very unique, interesting movie and a unique thing to point a camera at. And I feel like Hoffman can, uh, can really enjoy and really dig into like what it's doing. I feel like he's a person with a strong stomach. There we go. The Humani Corporis Fabrica. Next up, we have Mel. Mel, my greatest enemy. A person who consistently makes fun of me, gets the upper hand of me. But, you know, she asked for a recommendation, so I'll give it to her. I know her of a person who is a big fan of music and dance specifically. So I figured I'd give her Carmen. Carmen... You might know it as a classic opera, but it is being made as a film. The director Benjamin Millipede, who is, I think, mostly a choreographer. So this movie seems to be dance-heavy. The stars are Melissa Barrera and Paul Mescal. Uh, Melissa Barrera was in In the Heights, so I believe she has a dance background. Paul Mescal, I have no idea, but he's hot right now. And uh, still seems to be of them dancing. Melissa Barrera and Paul Mescal are dazzling in Benjamin Millipede's modern-day retelling of one of the so- history's most famous love stories and operas, featuring a new music score by Nicholas Bretel. Who doesn't love Nicholas Bretel? Like, one of the most exciting, just, like, film people working right now. So, yeah, you should check out Car- Carmen Mel. Next up, we have Jesse, host of this podcast. Jesse's tough because they are the person... Well, there are other people, I'm sure, but they certainly know more about these movies than I do. So it almost would be pointless to give them a movie to try and give them something that's not on their radar because everything is on their radar more than it is mine. But I figured I would give her a movie that I just know she would like. So I'm going to go with RMN, which is a movie I saw at Cannes, uh, directed by Christian Mungju. This movie about the Romanian region of Transylvania, historically and ethnically diverse community is gripped by xenophobia and nationalism when migrants from the East arrive for work. Now, I don't love this movie. I sort of, it's a sort of movie where, I guess it's weird to describe it, but I, I guess I enjoy movies where I can feel the director's hand, but I don't like movies where I can feel the director's mouth. Like, it sort of sometimes feels a little like, mouth PC and like every character in it exists as like some 
execution of a point but it is like very impressively made there's a lot of great like these like these long like discourse sequences which is just like these static shots where a bunch of people talk and have these long discourses about what to do with the problems in their area that I feel like Jesse would find very exciting. I feel like that's the third thing that she enjoys. And obviously I know she likes other people like Christy Puyu and Radu Jude and Porumboyu and other like Romanian directors. So I feel like this would be very up her alley. And I feel like I've sort of poop not poo pooed this movie, but I've sort of sort of like dampened the expectation on this movie on this podcast, but I feel like that it is maybe just like a thing that is not for me, but I feel like it would be for her. So RMN. I'm going to hurry through these because I'm taking very long. Next up, we have Jack. Jack, our most frequent guest on this podcast. Old Jack Reed. A great person. Two lovely dogs. Lovely wife. Jack, I sort of know this sort of... As a fairly open-hearted person, they're a good person to talk to, figure stuff out. You know, like helping people. And that is even more than what their taste is, I figured. Though I feel there is some element of their taste of just like in this recommendation that I feel like they like stuff that is very like stripped down acting focused and like or like people focused, I guess. So I gave him No Bears by Jafar Panahi. I don't know if he's very familiar familiar with Jafar Panahi. The uh, Jafar Panahi movie I know the most is sort of is this is not a film and they seem to not have watched it on Letterboxd. So I'm gonna assume they haven't watched any of their films. But you know Panahi, his po like his post arrest era, he seems to be very interested in like capturing the world around him. These like interesting portraitures of people and the way they behave in a city and the way that they can act when poured under certain circumstances and the way you sort of have to navigate these circumstances, but just like in a very immediate direct way. And I feel like that sort of open hearted curiosity, I think it would be very up Jack's alley. So I feel like he should get into Jafar Panahi and he should be, should pay attention to no bears. Next up we have duck monotone duck as I know them on Letterboxd and other places. Now this is another thing I know about them is that I know that they are an animator working in animation or like studying animation. I guess I don't know the exact details but so I tried to find them something that is an interesting animated movie. Now there's only a couple of animated things but this is the one that seemed the most interesting to me. This is a contemporary world cinema movie called Blind Willow Sleeping Woman by Saul Avel Avogels and Femme and Dormi? I have no idea what you think. In this animated adaptation of several stories by Haruki Murakami, a lost cat, a giant talking frog, and a tsunami help a bank employee, his frustrated wife, and an anxious accountant find meaning in their lives and possibly save Tokyo from catastrophe. It just had a very interesting look. It seems to, like, have a lot of different things going on, but also be the sort of, be a sort of, like, more behavior small focus just like very emotion rich and lead heavy animation movie which i feel like is up duck's alley more than other stuff here stuff that is more 
either action focus or like whimsy focus this thing you know there seems to be some level of whimsy in here but you know it seems to be more like you know about characters and emotions i fear they enjoy that so that's the film blind willow sleeping woman Next up, we have Benji. Benji is a person who I know will be attending TIFF, and they told me that they wanted things that were from non-gala, non-special presentation sections that to make me want to check out. I searched their letterbox, and they seem to like low-key, sort of romantic, but also, you know, from different, just like low-key personal dramas and romances. So I searched for some stuff and came up with Love Life by Koji Fukada. This captivating drama from director Koji Fugata, a girl missing, traces a couple's journey for their respective past, boldly exploring what it means to accept your spouse and yourself as a complete person. This just seems like a very interesting way to tackle a very simple story. I feel like if you're trying to look for different stuff in sections like these, I feel like it's just an easy thing to go with. Love Life by Koji Fukata. Riley Fowler. Riley Fowler, I believe, I looked at their letter box, and they seem to like a lot of, like, seven easy like man making tough decision type movies so for them i picked out this movie from the discovery section called the taste of apples is red by dam al tufa and amar in this grouping debut from syrian filmmaker ebhab tarabie no ebhab tarabie the name of the director i read the <laughs> the the original language version as the director's my bad i am sorry Ebab Tarabia, the director of the grouping debut from Syrian filmmaker Ebab Tarabia. Uh, a respected sheikh must make an impossible decision between family and duty when his estranged brother returns to the Golan Heights after living f in 47 years in exile. Seemed intense, seems like gripping, seems small scale, seems like the type of stuff where people are going to end up doing things they don't want to. It seems up Riley Valley. So yeah, you should check that out. The taste of apples is red. Next up, we have John Lynn. John and Lynn seems to like a lot of different movies about, you know, females, maybe young females finding themselves, but like, you know, through a variety of lenses, not just like one specific tone or thing. Like a couple of her favorite movies seem to be Virgin Suicides, Mulholland Drive, Last Days of Disco, where like are all acclaimed films about women, young women, early twenties, fifteen, but you know, they're they have fairly different takes on on the whole thing. So I figured I'd give them something in that vein, so I gave them Nanny. Nanny is this film that premiered at Sundance this year. I believe it won one of the major prizes. I don't know exactly what it is right now, but it is directed by Nikyato Yusu. A young Senegalese newcomer to New York is haunted by violent visions while working as a nanny and planning for the arrival of her own son. In writer-director Nikyato Yusu, Yusu's mystical feature debut about exploring the dangerous allure of the American dream and the immigrant experience. Dangerous allure of the American dream. What else could you want in a movie? Nanny. That's what you should check out, Jana. Next up, we have Kat, one of my favorite people in the world. Just a very fun, funny person. I figured, but you know, she has very interesting taste. She could go a lot of different places. But I do also know that soon she will begin studying to be film programming. She is from London. So, and I also know that she has like sort of a taste for documentaries, a lot of queer focused documentaries, a lot of just like interesting stories of life from a lot of different places. So to her, I gave All the Beauty and the Bloodshed. 
the Laura Poitras documentary. Academy Award-winning documentary in Laura Poitras chronicles her life and work of famed artist Nan Golden, including her protests against the Sackler family and their Purdue company, per, and their company Purdue Pharma makers of OxyContin. Seemed very interesting, you know, protest, queer protest, just like interesting works of art, interesting artists. I feel like these are all up uh, Cat's Alley. And also, this is a film that is in a documentary that is in competition at Venice. It is a headliner for the TIFF Talks section at TIFF, and it is the centerpiece film at the New York Film Festival. I can't think of just like higher, like across the board recommendations from a lot of the different film community than that really so i figured that if i would give the person who's like about to be in training for film programmer the most film programmer recommended movie of the year it seems so all the beauty in the bloodshed you should check it out cat hit me up uh next up we have jackson jackson pretty cool dude uh, just a generally funny person, interesting taste. I think of them as a person who's like really thoughtful. They really like thinking about stuff that they watch and like taking their time to talk about and write about it. I also feel like they have a hard. They have hard to pin down taste, but in an interesting way. I I, I always feel like they're willing to give everything their it's due. So th- there's just like a lot of different movies and a lot of different directions that they both like and dislike so it was a little hard to give them a movie but i also know them as a person who's like willing to reconsider things that people maybe threw out on initial run it's sort of so i gave them a little movie called the greatest beer run ever you know peter Farrelly directed a little movie called Green Book a couple of years ago. Won the Academy Award for Best Picture. So I, so I he's just like an intru- so I feel like just you know, Zac Efron movie. I know Jackson is a fan of Dirty Grandpa. Figured this would be up the, his alley of something that they want to try and check out. I don't know if they'd ever heard of it but a little movie called The Greatest Beer Run Ever. Next up, we have a, a person called Karsten, who I believe did not submit their own letterbox, but their letterbox was submitted to me. And I gave them Glass Honey and a Knives Out Mystery. Next up, we have a, we have Nick Armstrong, Brams, I believe is what they refer to themselves on uh, the old letterbox machine. Or maybe it's on Twitter. I don't know exactly where Brams is from. But anyway, they seem to like a lot of just like you know, violent movies, horror movies, stuff like that. Something that's sort of the Midnight Man this vein. So I figured I'd just give him sick. John Hyam sick. Seemed like the seems like the pick of Midnight Madness. Seems like the movie the most people are excited for. John Hyam's like Universal Day of Universal Soldier Day of Reckoning, one of the most acclaimed B movies of the twenty tens. Kevin Williamson also I guess wrote it, but not like full wrote it. Sort of just like maybe came up with the idea and somebody else wrote it. It's a weird lineage there. But uh, a lean, mean, and wickedly timely slasher from American action author John Himes and Cream's Cry. 
Kevin Williamson. Seems to be keeping some mystery about it. Seems interesting. So, Nick Armstrong, that's what you get. Sick. And that's... Is that everybody? No. Wait, I am missing one person. This person is Motorboto, who I'm now realizing I had, give, I had given them a movie I had given somebody else before, so I am on the fly going to give them a different recommendation. Let me go to the TIFF website really quickly and see something that I just think looks good. And I'll send it at them. Let's see, let's see, let's see. Um. What's in the TIFF doc section? You know what? In the TIFF doc section, there is this documentary called Self-Portrait as a Coffee Pot by William Kentridge, which is... William Kendrick is a South African artist and filmmaker. He makes these like large, wall, intricate wall-sized drawings and paintings. And this seems to be a movie directed by himself about his own process. And it just seems interesting. It just seems like it looks cool. I feel like people should check it out. Maybe I'll check it out. But more importantly, Motorboto should check it out. And I think that's my entire section. It went a little long. I had a lot of names to go through. Maybe next time I will cut it. I will make a cutoff or like ask for more specific things so I can give people quicker recommendations, but that's it. Anyway, have fun. Back to the show. Oh, well, maybe I have to give my special presentation here since I don't think I will be on the rest of the episode. But, uh, you know, what have I been doing recently? Uh, I watched FX's The Bear. People should check out The Bear. Is that what I recommended last time? No, I, w I watched Inuo. People should ch check out Inuo. That movie's great. Anyway, see ya. Great. And we're back. Are we ready for special presentations? I'll go first. I have something okay. very simple. Uh, uh, my special presentation is Walking to Work. Oh. It's great. Especially if the weather's pretty good. It's nice. Uh, my special presentation is our show notes. I think there's some good stuff in there. Check them out. Okay. I guess mine will be the song. Let me get this right. Uh, the song Waterfall by Disclosure and Ray. I've, uh, got a dancey vibe going lately. And this song's one of the best to vibe out and dance to. Cool. All right, and then with that, if you want to follow the podcast on Twitter, you can do so at Can I Kick It. If you want to follow us on Letterbox or Instagram, we're at C I K I Pod. Still no YouTube shorts. <laughs> Emilio <laughs> promised a few weeks ago that there would be one up. Uh, we still have not had any. <laughs> um, we've got our email, which is Can I Kick It Pod at Gmail dot com. We've got our coffee, which we've uh, mentioned tipping us for various yeah, <laughs> things to right. happen. Just put yeah, in the comments what thing you're claiming, and we'll just yeah. do it. Yeah. 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 yeah, and you can always just say, I want this, and we might do it. Right. Yeah, that's true. No yeah. guarantees, um, but like, no we'll guarantees, probably do it. But you mm. can ask. <laughs> Within reason, I guess. Um, I mean, you, if, if, you, if do... you can ask something unreasonable, we just won't do it, and we'll keep the money. Sure. Um, in any event, 
um, to do any of this donation, you can do it at ko-fi.com slash c-a-n-n-e-s-i, which is coffee.com slash can I or theme songs by Tree Related, who's on Spotify and SoundCloud at Tree Related. If you want to follow me on Twitter, I'm at Cladley, C-L-A-T-C-H-L-E-Y, same name on Letterboxd, Andy. Andy T. Germ on all platforms, A-N-D-Y-T-G-E-R-M as in Mary. Emilio. I'm left alone on Twitter. I left alone on Letterboxd. And Jesse. J-C-P Glick Weber. Weber has two Bs. And with that, I will release our audience. Bye! Bye!